As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. My name is Taylor Payne. Welcome to Pot on the Tyne. Coming up on the show this week. Leaving Palace with a point, thanks to Wilson's magic moment. The search for a new manager continues, and with names being chucked around like wedding confetti, we'll talk about what we know. And a little hokey-cokey from the club on clothes inspired by traditional Arab dress. Yes, hello and welcome once again to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. Uh, we are Chrisless. I'm joined this week by The Athletic senior writer, Mr. George Corgan. And from Gallagher Shots podcast and YouTube channel, it's the podcast crossover that literally nobody asked for. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Stephen Best. How are you doing, Steve? You all right? Even I didn't want this, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm I'm grand. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it's been lovely to uh, lovely to be invited back on. Me and George thrashed this one out in a, a, a car park in Gateshead last Monday night, so it was all, it was all very line of duty. <laughs> wow, it was <laughs> it was. I was I was about to say women in love. It was wrestling in front of open fire, but yeah, fine car park in Gateshead, wherever you want. Absolutely. Well, George, how are you doing, mate? You okay? You're joining us from the big smoke today, aren't you? Down in that London. Yes, I'm sorry if I don't sound uh, quite as crisp as uh, as, as usual. Um, but uh, yes, I was at I was at Palace on Saturday. Um, New Era Part Two, I think it's fair to say, after the departure of Steve Bruce, but also still pretty much exactly the same as the old era when the football then starts again, but um, with a few tweaks here and there. Absolutely, everything has changed, and yet nothing exactly. has changed, as exactly. we keep as we keep saying on this podcast. Uh, well, George, have you got anything in the pipeline this week? Is there anything interesting coming up on theathletic.com? Oh, God knows, God knows. It's like um, you know, sort of getting getting through this uh, two weeks, churning stuff out day after day after day, and um, 
really having sort of little little room to breathe. I mean, I've done a piece based on the on the <laughs> on the match, but also the first sort of two or three days of uh, Graham Jones being in charge and sort of what he did and what was said and what sort of Amanda Staveley said um, said to the team when she met them on Wednesday. And yeah, that sense of him sort of looking to um, impose standards that's the word that he kind of has used repeatedly time and time again you know one of, I, I found one of the sort of interesting things that he said after the match was well you know this is a start you know this is a start but mm. we're already nine games into the season and one of the things that we were sort of complaining about under Steve Bruce was that sort of sense of well we've got something to build on and it's like well yeah but so and of course Graham Jones has been around since January so differentiating himself and you know sort of um how he how he sets about anyway so that's that 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 piece is up and god knows where the next few days will take us but i'm i'm not expecting anything imminent on the managerial front so um but we will we will come on and chat about that won't we yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. And we've got lots to get through today. So let's start at Selhurst Park, where the boys in black and white managed to grind out a 1-1 draw against Patrick Vieira's Eagles. Mr. Best, a point one that one, or two points lost? What I do you think, think? You've, you've got to consider that one a point one. to be honest with you. It was, I mean, performance-wise for me, just felt very much the same. It was the same, as, as was mentioned earlier, the same Newcastle that's been turning up for games for the past 24 months longer, maybe. But... um. I, I suppose maybe I would say heartening perhaps that they only conceded the one, but then uh, Benteke hit the crossbar, hit the post, put a great chance wide. Um, I don't remember Darlow making one chalked out for VAR as well. Didn't one late on, yeah, the the, the, uh, the pull on Kieran Clark shirt, yeah. Um, so I, I don't really remember Darlow making a great many saves. You know, kind of would be the flip side of that. But yeah, it's just very, um, very underwhelming, really. Um, but I mean, as has been alluded to, kind of it's a the new start part 1.2 or 1.3 or whatever and it's these things are going to take time but <laughs> after yeah. nine games quarter of the season having only are we on four points now or is it five um four four it's not it, wow. it, it's not yeah. a wonderful start only it's not looking great is yeah it? <laughs> i mean yeah and only it's chelsea next week as well so there's a chance there to kind of pick things up isn't it yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the th- that's the thing. That's how I kind of feel. It's like, yes, I. Am, I mean, I think, I think, I think Jones is really going there, and he was looking at a, he was looking at a clean sheet. I mean, I think that's what I think that's what the sort of plan was, not the plan. You know what I mean? That was the sort of base base that he was looking for, and fair enough because Newcastle haven't kept a clean sheet, uh, you know, in the Premier League. But uh, is it a point one when you think that we've played? Palace, we played Wolves, we played Watford, we played Leeds, we played Southampton, we played Villa, you know. So I just think, I just think, you know, I just, I, I, it doesn't, it didn't feel like a point one to me. I mean, obviously the goal was brilliant and apparently it was a brilliant, it was a kind of brilliant atmosphere in the away end. It was very upbeat and things like that. I didn't come away from that feeling sort of upbeat about that point because you just sort of look at the games ahead and it felt like, it felt like a win was so important, really. But yeah, there's an awful lot of difficult ties in the next in the next couple of months leading up to the Christmas break, isn't there? Um, one of the things that kind of concerned me a little bit as well, George, and this is sort of related to a thing that was in one of the pieces that you wrote last week, was where one of the players or somebody a dressing room source, let's call it, had said, "What does Graham Jones do?" And they had said, "Fucking everything." Um, now. That concerns me slightly because I think, okay, Steve Bruce might be gone, Graham Jones might shuffle things a little bit, but how much better and how much more 
solid are we going to get with with Jones in charge? Now, I know he's there to do a job. It's an interim. It's for a couple of games. But we can't really afford to keep losing games, no, can we? To just qualify that slightly, I mean that was it was said with a bit of a it was said with a bit of a laugh, and it was someone who was being, right. who was being kind of very complimentary about Jones, not not the opposite. But you know the one the one thing that he didn't do was ultimately decide how the team was set up, mm, and he ultimately okay. didn't pick the team. So yes, of course he's been around. Um, he's been around things for the last, uh, well, since January, but he is very, I mean, it, you know, from every, all the soundings that kind of I've taken, we've taken with Chris is that he's very highly respected and yeah. has been, has been really leading things on the, on the training ground. I mean, but I suppose if you take a step back, you know, you, you sort of look, look how, how the final game under Bruce went. And that was a classic. And again, from speaking to people, he's effectively told people in the dressing room, this is the first game of a new era. It's probably going to be my first game, last game. Effectively, let's have a go. You know, let's press Tottenham. And for five, ten minutes, you know, it worked and it worked very well. And then beyond that, there was just nothing. And they've then gone to Palace. Jones has tried to tighten things up. And we've gone back to that sort of three at the back, five at the back system, where it's about sitting back, sitting back, sitting back, being organised, being disciplined, quite sort of reminiscent of the early rougher in the Premier League days, I sort of thought, and then mm. try and, you know, try and hit teams on the break. Now, if you think about that, that means they've effectively gone from one extreme to the other in terms of systems. And that's really difficult for players to, you know, to, to switch like that. But I did think they looked a little bit more kind of organised. I did think they looked a little bit more disciplined in spite of the space that Benteke got. But, you know, it's very, very tricky to try and sort of switch things around to such an extent in the space of three days, effectively. Absolutely. And it, he, he did switch a few things around, and it was an interesting first 11 chosen by him, wasn't it, Bestie? But Newcastle have seemed to go back to, uh, we've seemed to have gone back to hating the football and not wanting anything to do with it. <laughs> That's exactly right. You look at the team that they're picking, I mean, it, I don't understand the the, um, the Fernandez situation because I, he, to me, would have been a far more suitable choice than um, Emil Kraft. Um, a ten and a half. I mean, I've, I've I noticed a thing a few years ago. Like I thought Fernandez and Manquillo worked well together. I thought Fernandez got a lot out of Manquillo, and I, I, I put that down. I wonder if it's because they're both native Spanish speakers, so that can the, the, the communication's better, you know. But um, but yeah, Ryan Fraser's a funny one as well because he was when Wilson signed, then Fraser signed a few days later, or, or was it vice versa? People reminisce or hark back a little bit to that season at Bournemouth where I think the, the it was like Robert and Shearer almost, you know, the kind of the yeah. the, the, um, the connection <laughs> yeah. that they had. It just hasn't hasn't worked yet for Fraser. He's been injured. He's he's obviously it's been more like Michael Owen in that he's done really well for Scotland but not so well for Newcastle in that time. So <laughs> um yeah. Michael Owen famously um doing so well for Scotland in his career. But um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah. It, it's it it, it, it was Dreadful. I mean, I, I watched it on my on me on me phone, kind of only half paying attention because I was I, I was um, in, in hospital over the weekend with my little boy, so I was kind of a little bit kind of half watching it, half trying to feed him and well do what you do with kind of kids basically. Um, but it was it just wasn't. I mean, it's not going to be entertaining. And I'm I'm quite happy to, as George said, kind of mentioned Rafa earlier, grind out results, get a draw here and there, get a win here and there, the occasional one nil. And it, you, that's how you get points on the table, and that's how Newcastle did it. Um, really, up until I'd say last winter, when everything went awful under 
under the previous manager. But um, but yeah, it, it, if it works, then great. But it, it didn't really show any signs of working particularly well on Saturday there. No. I mean, it is, it is a return to that more pragmatic style, isn't it, of last season? But, George, I think we have to be honest. Newcastle are lucky to come away with a point after that. Oh, I they? think so, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Palace... Palace. I mean, Benteke could have had a hat-trick on his own. Yeah, and he, he should, you know, hit the post, hit the crossbar, uh, miss that big sitter, as we talked about. And, of course, yeah, the um, the VAR George, the VAR thing at the end. I mean, Palace fans were singing um, uh, words to the effect of how much do you pay the referee um, and things like that, which is kind of... And it did feel, I felt like, it did feel like sort of Newcastle had the benefit of the officiating. But equally... There were sort of signs of greater sort of cohesion. I sort of thought they were, they did stay in shape. But you know, it's it's just taking us back to this. So it's so frigging tedious. You know, this thing of what are Newcastle? Yeah. What are they trying to be? And again, I was sort of talking to someone uh, involved in the Spurs game, and it was that sort of thing of. And I thought about this again watching Man United yesterday, where Newcastle pressed against Spurs. But they were playing a person in St. Maximat who can't press. I mean, he can't press. He doesn't want to press. Yeah, yeah. When, when Newcastle don't have the ball, he, he's not interested. And I am being slightly harsh there, but he's not. And so you had a midfield who was sort of also trying to press. But then you had a defence who was so attuned to sitting back that all this space was left in the middle of the pitch. And mm. you're, still trying to, you're still trying to find a solution to that. And the thing... The thing that happens if you sit back like Newcastle did on Saturday with whatever it was, 23% of possession, 25% of possession. Yeah. When St. Maximan gets the ball, he's then far more likely to give it away because it's far deeper in the pitch. And then you, you become under pressure again. And it's like, this is one of the things that the new owners have to work. You know, they have to work this out. What, what, you know, what, what is the identity of the team? And at the moment it's just like bouncing back between extremes trying to sort of eke out results. It's been like that for two years. At some point, they have to sort of decide what they want to be, what they're trying to do. And But it's rock hard. Yeah. It's rock hard now in the position that they are in the, in the table because um, they've got to get out of the bottom three, haven't they? They have. I mean, it's interesting. If, if you wanted to play that pressing game, that, like you say, Sam Maxman doesn't give you an awful lot where that's concerned. The people who you want pressing are people like Almiron and, yeah. and Joe Willock, who are really good at it. But then you sacrifice a place, and you and you have to you have to think who do we leave out, you know? Because you're not going to drop Callum Wilson, and if you're going to play those two in behind him, then then someone has to miss out, and you know they're not going to drop some maximum because he's the only spark that we have. He's the only potential point of magic, isn't he? So it's it's difficult. That that goal by Wilson or Bestie, that was something else, wasn't it? I've hurt myself loads of times trying to do that at seven aside. I, I, I've been there when he's broken bones trying to do similar to that, and um. <laughs> On football pitches, Taylor, but way back when. But yeah, it was um, just totally improvised. I mean, it doesn't take a touch. It doesn't even bounce before it gets to him if memory serves. He just, he, he judges it beautifully. And it's, it's every time I say it, it's better than I remember it. Yeah. Because I, I thought, oh, it's a bit like um, Nolan's in the derby that time where he's kind of fallen backwards and just swung a leg at it. And, no, it was much it's better him, than that. But no, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful hit. I mean, the keeper's got no chance. No. It's right in the top corner. It's a it's a gorgeous strike. That's It's kind of the, the one bit of real quality that I remember from from um from Saturday to be honest with you. But he's that's what Callum Wilson gives you. I think he's um this he's got something like four and six now. He's been involved in that he's he's just he's the best striker we've seen at Newcastle for a long time, in my opinion. Both goals as well, isn't it? I mean the Spurs goal was great as well, just getting his it head was. getting his head there. Absolutely yeah. And, and it was quite similar to the um 
sorry, George, that, that Spurs one, I did a Steve Bruce there. Um, that Spurs one was a little bit similar to the uh, the West Ham one on the first game where he just kind of timed his run, gets in front of his man and yeah. heads it home from what, five, six yards out. But yeah, he's... Um, his movement's excellent. He finds his space well. He's pretty. He's he's clinical as well. He's um, if if Newcastle are still in a position um, come the transfer window where they're not cut adrift in the bottom three, he'll be a probably the main reason for that, in my opinion, at the minute. Yeah, absolutely paramount that we that we keep him fit and that we keep him firing and that we give him ammunition. And I think that's the that's the thing that we might struggle with a little bit because we aren't. We aren't the best at creating chances, even though we have created more than than last season, but based on the stats and stuff like that. But if we are going to go back to this pragmatic style where we sit back and soak up the ball and, and try and try and hit on the break, we're not going to make as many chances for Callum Wilson. So he has to be on point when he's there. And my God, he was with that goal. It was a, it was an incredible uh, incredible moment, George, wasn't it? Yeah, it was brilliant. And I was right across from the away end, so it was kind of lost a bit. It it, it just it sounded quiet from where I was. But apparently, in the away end, it was it was just a brilliant it was a brilliant moment, and it's kind of nice to nice to report and nice to hear that the that the mood stayed sort of buoyant in the away end, which is um, you know which is really good because the last the last away match at Wolves, um, by all accounts, it was sort of the worst the worst it's been for a for a very very long time, and you know mm. that when when the lads and lasses who, who go away are sort of losing, have lost sort of, you know, have lost the sort of will to, to, to make a day of it, that you really are in trouble. So, I mean, so that's good. I, I think the mood, the mood there was, you know, was very good. But yeah, I mean, like Fraser, you know, as best he says, is when Fraser comes in the team, I don't think he did a lot. I mean, again, I don't think he did a lot on Saturday. It was a big decision to sort of drop Willock. But again, Willock has been a bit lost, I think, this, this season, albeit after, you know, not much of a, not much of a pre-season, um, and I'm just not sure. I'm not sure where the answers are, really. No, me neither. As far as the mood post-match goes, um, how are, how are you feeling, Bestie, about about what's to come? And we've got Chelsea next week, probably the toughest game of the season for us so far. I mean, it's, there's every likelihood that we're going to get our asses handed to us by them. They, they look incredible at the minute. Um, what, what's the feeling? Um, I think. I mean, Chelsea looking at how they've started the season that. Not just the hardest game of the season so far. That could be the hardest game of the season. Full stop. Mm, um, yeah. They don't wonder. I mean, you qualify that by saying it was it was Norwich last weekend or at the weekend. There, big pardon. And <laughs> um, that's yeah. very true. Re- repeatedly on the commentary, um, the only Norwich player that came in for any praise was Grant Hanley, and I thought if he's your best player, then something wow, seriously. Okay. <laughs> and I, I did the Grant Hanley. I didn't think it was dreadful for us, but he was a. Yeah. He, he certainly wasn't the greatest of them. Um, the, the, the centre halves that Rafa brought in that summer, but yeah, um, Chelsea just the the. I mean, I, I do think they'll probably win the league this year. Looking at how they've started, that they're, they're mm. playing really well. I mean, yeah. when Tuchel came in last season, he, he sorted the defence out immediately. You've got Lukaku out for a couple of weeks. I think Havertz might be injured as well, if I've read that right. So I mean, maybe keep it down to two or three, but um, <laughs> they still have some quality in that squad, don't they? Masses of it. They still have some quality. A fantastic side, yeah. They're, they're good to watch as well. Um, it's weird because I kind of under Mourinho kind of and obviously the, the Abramovich thing. Although we can't really talk about that now. Um, Chelsea were the kind of the team that you, you you kind of really begrudge because they were they were battlers and you, you, they were a little bit dirty. You had Carvalho at the back and he was the, the, the dark arts, I believe they call it. Um, he was a master at that and John Terry as well, who had a, um, the charge sheet as long as your arm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now watching Chelsea, I wouldn't go so far as to say a nice team. But that certainly not the kind of um, I I don't feel the same. Good to watch, aren't I they? don't feel the same level of um, kind of uh, 
maybe vitriol or kind of as I did 15 years ago they're a decent sight to watch and I, 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 I shan't enjoy watching them on Saturday I suspect um, or this weekend beg pardon but yeah I think I've, if you get anything out of that game even just kind of not too much damage to the goal difference column then I think you probably call it success you know, you can see what the idea will be. If Saturday was the blueprint, it's going to be just to try and stay in the game for absolutely long as as long as possible and make it difficult for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that it feels like that's the best we can really hope for. From I mean, certainly from this point anyway. Yeah, and put Norwich City as well, George. I mean, we, we've said a couple of times that that'll be when we get our first win, but no one else. It'll probably be a Norwich win. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be when they get their first win. Yeah, I wonder why Norwich do this to themselves every few years, though. I don't know. They might be better off just saying, let's just, you know what, lads? We'll just stay in the championship. It's fine. We don't, we don't need to worry about the Premier League just yet. They just keep doing this to themselves, don't they? They need a division of their own, don't they, really? <laughs> yes, they I do. I saw a Norwich fan on, I think it might have been on Twitter this morning, saying, can we not just win the championship every year and let someone else go up? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what they yeah, need to do. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've said for a while now, and I'll not be alone in this, that the, the kind of the disparity of um, money that there is now between the Premier League and the Championship or the Football League, you're going to get these clubs who get lost between the two. Um, I think West Brom are probably an example of that now as well. Um, we might be... well. If, walk, walk for the bit, yeah. Newcastle are more than capable of being that as well. We're not good enough for the Premier League, the, but we'll call it the, the Bobby Zamora division or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just sits in some sort of no-man's the, the land. The Jermaine Beckford or Michael Chopper division where you're kind of the, <laughs> the, the second-best priest in the country or the 21st-best football team in the country. It's just kind of... You, you, <laughs> yeah. you can't move from there. So, yeah, I do feel a bit sorry for Norwich because um, for all the problems, they look... Truly dreadful. Well, I've been at Carrow Road, I think, six times. I've not seen Newcastle win yet. Um, but if, <laughs> if if Norwich are guaranteed yeah. four points this season, then it's a, it will get beat down there and probably draw St James's. As it seems to happen every time. Yeah. Right, let's move on, chaps. We've got lots to discuss. We'll be back in just a second. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right then, the search for a new manager slash head coach continues and with Graham Jones on the hot seat for at least two games. There's been lots of names chucked around in the press and, and by, by fans on social media this week with Paolo Fonseca heavily linked to the job last week and we're still waiting to see what's going to happen. Have Stavely and co made any ground on this? George, have we got any new info about the manager search at all? Is there anything that, that you need to tell us? Well, I think sort of... Um, having sort of had calls at the back end of last week and then again again on Monday morning. I mean, I think the sort of message that's being kind of put across really is that everybody has got a bit 
ahead of themselves. Mm. Um, but I mean, that always happens. You know, that always happens when a manager goes. You know, the the race is on to sort of um, crown crown the next one, and it then feels like sort of certainly papers going from day to day, and it's a different name, it's a different name, it's a different name. So it's not a very sort of glamorous update, but it is to say that you know Graham Jones was told he had two games. You know, I think ninety nine percent certain that we will get to the end of this week and there won't be there won't be anybody anybody in place and it might you know it might even go on a bit longer than that and that the word process will be our most hated phrase as newcastle found it you know it used to be imminent it used to be red flags and things like that it's going to be process but you know they deliberated and the the sign-off kind of had to go back to pif for bruce to go and it'll be the same with this now you know, you ask about Fonseca, for example. Um, we know that there's been a couple of conversations, you know, face to face over Zoom, if that's possible. Can you be face to face over Zoom? Yeah. Okay. You're still looking at someone's face, you, aren't you? you? Be face to many things over Zoom, from what I've seen. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I don't think they've <laughs> taken it that far. Um, I mean, and I've been told that it won't be it won't be Fonseca. I mean, I've been told that now a couple of times. Right. But I'm not saying that as a I'm not saying that as a definitive as a definitive thing but that is sort of what I've been you know I have been told that and so they're still looking and I do think yeah Chris and I Chris and I sort of wrote a big piece on this last week which I think still holds true in terms of that sort of sense that you know from the, from the position they're at the minute they don't just need a manager they need kind of they need a manager who has so many different qualities you know they've already said in public yeah. they want to win the league within five years if possible five to ten years um they want someone to help build the club um, and that's really important because you know the training ground has to be redone and really you know you're talking about doing it from scratch over a couple of years yeah. same with the academy blah 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 they need someone to get them you know to 10th they need someone to get them from 10th to 6th but the minute they need someone to get them out of the relegation zone and so quite who that is and how you do it is sort of really tricky and um you know the the, the ones the obvious one size fits all candidate was was benitez who knows the club and has done all those things over the course of his career but we're just told that that's not you know that's not possible that he won't he won't leave everton so who that is though is the is the interesting thing because it's not a you know you couldn't put you know, so, so, someone like Conte, for example, gets you from second to first or third to second and then second to first. He doesn't get you out. I mean, he might be able to do it. I'm not saying he couldn't do this, but that's not who they who they can go for right now. So, yeah, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating situation. Lots of names bandied around. Stephen Fonseca was the main one last week, and you know he's a, a, a classed as a fairly exciting attacking coach. Uh, Lucien Favre also another name uh, bandied around. He's got a bit of a history with Alan Maximan, but probably more pragmatic than. And Fonseca, what is it that Newcastle actually need right now? Because there's there's lots of names being linked, and I just look at them and I think that's not what we need. That's not what we need. We don't need Frank Lampard at the minute. You know, we don't need we don't need a coach in relatively inexperienced. We need someone who's going to get us out of this absolute shitstorm that we're in and get us firing and, and getting the most out of these players. Yeah, it, it's hard. No, really. I mean, um, I mean, would Fonseca have been able to do it? I know he was a Shakhtar on Roma. We don't know, that's it. There's a lot, of, a lot of names I've not heard of. People are getting excited about um, Mark Overmars coming in as director of football and Eric Ten Hag. I hadn't heard of Eric Ten Hag until two weeks ago, so I really don't know what he... Yeah. <laughs> People um, speak very highly of him on Twitter, although that's not always a good gauge. Um, it's hard to know. I mean, 
through the, throughout the whole process, or the whole process, I'd say that um, the three names that were kind of mentioned repeatedly over the past few weeks of uh, Lucien Favre, Fonseca, and Eddie Howe, I was kind of underwhelmed by Howe because I think I, I think it, it kind of gets forgotten that he spent a lot of money at Bournemouth. Um, he had a, a pretty cat- catastrophic spell with Burnley as well, briefly before Sean Dyche came in. But out of those names, he's the one you say, well, he's, <laughs> however important Premier League experience actually is, he does have it. Um, and he has it at that end of the table as well. And and also with kind of half our first team, Richie, Wilson, uh, Fraser, albeit Richie was a, a few years younger when, when Eddie Howe had him. Could he be the one? It's it's hard, not just who's the right man for the job, but who's going to accept the job, knowing that it's in all likelihood only going to be a couple of years for them. Um, they can get the keep Newcastle up if you know if they're successful. Job done. Thank you very much. And now we're going to get someone else in to kind of move on to the next, the next bit. So it's it, now Jose Mourinho's free. Let's get him instead. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> you know, it, it it's hard. It, it's a funny it's, one, isn't it? It it's difficult. Not just who we need, but a manager that needs Newcastle as well. What would effectively be a fairly temporary appointment, unless you get like a, well, I'm not saying get Kevin Keegan. Please don't get Kevin Keegan. Um, <laughs> I love him, but when Ashley first got Newcastle, obviously Aldice went out and Keegan came in, and that was when that happened. That was the first alarm bell for me. I thought, oh, this feels like it's a, a very ill thought out, ill conceived, kind of almost just something to get the crowd on side straight away, you know. Mm. Which it turned out well. We all know how it turned out. Um, so yeah, um, it's got to be. Would be very lucky to find someone who's going to be still Newcastle manager in ten years' time, and they've got all this silverware to their name, and with this wonderful, successful club. It's it's going to be a gradual process, um, and I honestly don't know that the name that keeps on for re- some reason coming to the forefront of my mind is um, Chris Wilder. But that that's not to say that I want him as manager. It's just someone that I think uh, does have it. But he got relegated last year with Sheffield United, didn't he? So yeah. It's it's tough. It's yeah. really hard to, to say. And obviously, George, with January just around the corner as well, it. it a manager needs to be uh, needs to be in place to be making those decisions, don't they, about the squad and who we need to keep and 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 what have you, and it, and it is really important, isn't it, that we have a successful transfer window in January? Oh my goodness, yeah, and it gets it gets more and more important. Um, the more games go by without without a win. I mean, on the you know on the sporting director front, I'm you know just to repeat this, I'm still told that they're at the you know, compiling a report stage on that about what they want the club to look like and, Mm. you know, how that hierarchy works. So um, at the same time, I'm sure that they're, you know, kind of putting feelers out, but I I think we should have limited expectations in terms of speed on that, on that front. Um, But yeah, in terms of January, I mean, again, and here's another sort of indication of quote unquote process, I apologize. But Frank McParland, who's, you know, who's widely uh, sort of expected to take on sort of the big recruitment role, is still waiting for his contract to be signed off. And so, albeit, you know, that that side of the club, you know, they can they can target people and they can have their plans. He can't officially get on with approaching, you know, clubs and agents and things like that, doing the stuff that recruitment people need to do because he hasn't got a job. So... I mean, we're we're in we're in late October, so you might sort of think, well, you know, what's the what's the problem with that? Well, there is a problem with that. I mean, ideally, you know, those people would be looking at the summer now. Really, they'd be looking at the summer, and you know, be ready to go. Now, one of the big problems under under Ashley was how long it took them to do things, and so this wasn't just a Rafa. Yeah, it wasn't just a Rafa complaint. It happened, you know, it happened sort of all the time that you know they would end up sort of making. I mean, I. 
you know, signings often go down to the wire in 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 in, in windows because people are trying to save money and so on and so forth, and they're calling each other's bluff. But really, they need they need plans ready to go for the start of the month so that they can they can bring people in. And so that again that that will stay a concern until they actually have people in place able to take those decisions because because to repeat they're not there they don't have they they don't have official jobs so they can't do the official parts of their job yeah it's it's difficult isn't it there's there's so many moving parts to this at the minute that we have to be aware that that things are going to take time but like you say that word process is going to start grating very quickly um what what do we need personnel wise bestie what where's the squad the weakest and 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 how are we going to reshuffle to fit everybody into that premier league that Premier League squad? For me, I think we're, we're desperately in need of, um, and it sounds ridiculous to say it, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the, the programme from the Tottenham match and Sean Longstaff's on the cover. Centre midfield, I think we're, we're really, really short there. Um, but we've got Longstaff, Hayden, Shelby, I suppose Willock can drop back there. Almiron's played there quite a bit, although I, I don't like him there, to be honest with you. Um, no. But we're desperately in need of a, 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 not necessarily a top class, I'm not saying like a, a Yuri Tielemans or someone like that, but just an improvement at centre midfield. Um, I think we're yeah. left, if we're sticking with five at the back, um, I've got serious reservations about Matt Ritchie at left wing back. Um, he's a player that I've enjoyed at Newcastle. He's a player that I thought was massively important to, well, the promotion season and the kind of first season, season and a half maybe subsequent to that. But at the minute, I think he is um, the the main weak spot in the, in the, the starting eleven certainly. Right across the team, I think centre halves need improving. Right back needs improving. Goalkeeper wise, we're okay. Um, Darlow had his his moment again on Saturday where he, he knocked Kieran Clark out <coughs> outside the box, and that's that's always been a concern of mine with Darlow is that he's he's a fantastic stopper and he really is a very good stopper, but he's prone to these kind of um, almost Titus Bramble esque moments where he'll, he'll he'll do something outrageous and it's it, it you know it, it can cost you it. it, it it has done in the past. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Dubravka, when he comes back, will make a difference as he did last season. I think everywhere apart from up front, really, and you could argue some maximum's position, but he hasn't had a great few weeks either. So, yeah, I think well, the, the kind of you look at the whole first team squad and there aren't many positions that don't need improvement, to be honest with you. So what I asked was, what do we need? And you've just replied with everything. Everything, basically. Is, <laughs> and maybe for Callum Wilson to stay fit as well. More, that might be the most important thing. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. But that's you said. I mean, you say we're okay up front. I'm not, you know, that's the problem. What happens if Wilson gets injured again? Because looking at his track record, he will. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's a bit, that is a big, that is a big problem. And I, yeah, I mean, I don't think Steve Bruce was wrong in terms of the positions he was looking, he was looking at. I mean, he did want another... Uh, centre half, and he did want another. Um, he did want another midfielder, yeah. and we saw Conor, Conor Gallagher, one of his targets in the summer, sort of buzzing around all over the place for Palace on on Saturday. And I do, th- I, th- I think they need dynamism at centre half because, um, you know, that that first instinct is still to is is to kind of drop back. But when they do drop back, you don't think, you know, I mean, it didn't feel secure to me. Um, Again at the weekend, but yeah, you you know you look at you look at the wing backs; they don't feel right. If they go to a back four, what happens? But it's also about it is also about getting more out of the players that they've already got. I mean, Jamal Lewis signed, you know, uh, from Norwich when he was being chased by Liverpool by all accounts, and there's a, he's just disappeared. Yeah, um, you know, Will, Willock has kind of disappeared as a player this season. I think he was never ever going to go on the same run that. He went on at the end of last season. Almiron, you know, what's how do they get the best out of him? 
how they're set up now. Where then do you move St. Maxima to? What do you do with him? I mean, it's it's more, you know, it's it's about sort of making signings who can improve the team, but improve the balance of the team. Why are we still talking about balance now? Four years, you know, yeah. four years back in the Premier League. It's astonishing. And it's, you know, Bruce was still talking about that, you know, last weekend and the weekend before. Balance. There was no balance in their squad. And again, you know, Gillington is, I mean, Gillington is the big sort of case in point that they, you know, they spend 40 million quid on someone and have no idea what to do with him. And there's been way too much of that. You know, there's just been way too much of that. So it's about having a manager and a system and players who know what they're doing and why. And uh, But I can't, I, you know, it's very difficult for me to sort of see a way, see a way through that, but. That's what they've got to do. We mentioned earlier on, Bestie, that the the next sort of six or seven games are going to be really difficult leading up to Christmas. We're already struggling at the wrong end of the table. Um, like you say, we've only got four points. Relegation's a real concern, isn't it? I mean, we are we are not quite knee deep in the shit here, but we're it's it's over our ankles, isn't it? We're we're quite close <laughs> to being in trouble. Well, very close to being in trouble. I mean, we've got Chelsea and Brighton before the international break. And then December's got its usual Leicester, Liverpool, Man City, Man U, Everton. Yeah. yeah. And Southampton away on New Year's Day, where we're famously absolutely rotten historically. I've kind of said, oh, we'll wait until January, then there'll be a little bit of money comes in, there'll be some players coming, there'll be a manager in place by then. But by that point, I mean, I'm, it could be too late. I don't know about too late, but it would certainly, it, it could be um, far more a pressing concern. I mean, we're, we haven't. I think we're one of only two or three teams that we've won yet, us, Norwich and uh, Burnley, I believe. Um, and you look at the teams above and Leeds were struggling a bit and they've got Bielsa in charge, they're more than capable of climbing the table a little bit. Um, I was going to say Wolves there, Wolves are up to six now, I think they've had a great run. Um, Watford, Watford put five past um, a famously defensively sound manager on at the weekend there so that was Rafa's come and get me played I've already said I think that on Twitter that was, yeah, was that was Rafa playing for yeah, a move yeah. wasn't it that was Rafa, Rafa playing that what it was yeah. earlier, shop window earlier yeah, on yeah. Uh, George when he said that Rafa won't leave Everton uh, maybe he's just trying to take the decision out of his own hands I'm not too sure but uh, <laughs> but yeah um, it's, yeah. we've got a, all the teams play all the teams twice don't they so there's, there's that but that run we've got between now and um, the end of the year, it, it looks a bit like we're going to be more than. I remember last December, we got beat five two at Leeds, and then we just it was dreadful until about March, I think. It was, yeah. Um, oh, it was awful. And we're more than capable of shocking. going from now until then without a win. Norwich at home on a Tuesday night might be the one that we're looking at, but then you can't take that for granted either because, well, it, it's weird because we're saying all this, we don't know who the manager's going to be this time in a fortnight or say the international break because it's a nice kind of yeah. We don't know what the is the man the playing stuff. If we're going to have a director of football, it's something that I, I I'm not quite on the same page as a lot a lot of people on Twitter who are getting very impatient and are kind of saying, "Oh, this needs to be sorted out now." But it it is something that we could really do with having having rectified shortly, because otherwise, as you say, we're getting to December, we're five, six, yeah. seven points adrift at the bottom and or out in yeah. 19th. And then that's a lot to make up. And then do you attract players? How do you? A lot's been said about um, Jesse Lingard's representatives, for example, um, apparently being at the Tottenham match. How do you attract Jesse Lingard to a team that are second bottom of the league without a win from Man United? Yeah. Um, although, I mean, Man United by that point could be third bottom. And the way they are going, so there's that, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. It's a it's a great point that because I mean, just on the subject of relegation, I mean, I have sort of asked that question, and it's like, well, 
it, it would waste a year, you know, is, is, is how it's put to me, you know, relegation would waste a year, but you know, there would be, it, it, you know, it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't mean that people were suddenly looking to try and sell the club or anything like that, but it would waste a year. And, um, so in some ways it's kind of heartening to hear that because it's not like, you know, this would throw everything off, but yeah, yeah. I mean, why, if it waits a year, why would players, okay. So suddenly, suddenly this, you know, this is ownership. You've got a lot of money and stuff like that, but you, you would probably wait yourself, wouldn't you? You say, oh, well, I'll wait until I know they're coming up as yeah. opposed to thinking that they might be, might be going down. I mean, that's why, that's why the managerial thing is so important. I mean, it is, it is absolutely, you know, the first thing has to be that, that they get it right. I mean, that getting it right is the first thing. And that, I think that is the, the toughest thing, but players also want certainty. And I've heard this time and time again over the past couple of weeks that firstly with, you know, Bruce, Bruce kind of lingering on, hanging on, that there was no certainty around the training ground that week because the expectation was amongst everybody that he would go, that Graham Jones would be in charge, that, you know, that another manager would kind of come in and it was very awkward and it was very difficult. And in those circumstances, you can't, you can't prepare properly. I mean, however professional you are, you can't prepare properly for a match. And although there has been that kind of big lift of Bruce going, and I'm not saying that as a reflection of on him necessarily, I'm just talking about the situation. I mean, it is, but it's, you know, it's also the situation. It's lifted everybody that that kind of cloud has gone. They're still uncertain because now they've got a new manager to sort of impress, albeit one that they know. But they also know that a week, in a week's time or two weeks' time or whatever, chances are that there'll be somebody else there. And so it's not good. You know, that uncertainty is not good. It's not a good base. Um, so, and, you know, they're thinking about their future. I mean, w w one just as a very short digression, um, when they announced, when they came in on Wednesday and basically said to them, Amanda Stavely said, as of two minutes ago, Steve Bruce is no longer your manager. They also sort of spoke for the first time about, you know, their long-term plans, about investing in the club, investing in the training ground and saying that they wanted to speak to all the players individually to kind of find out where they saw themselves. And that's really, really good. All of that stuff is really kind of good and positive. But, you know, players sort of want to know where they fit in, fit in things on the pitch. We've seen this uncertainty week after week after week, people just not knowing what they're supposed to be doing. And at some point, they have to have that security of knowing what it is they're doing on and off the pitch because they're not going to be successful until then. Uh, right, we're pushing for time a little bit, chaps, so we're going to move on. Uh, but just before we do, it's 25 years this week since the 5-0 versus Man United. Philippe Albert, Kevin Keegan, Alan Shearer and all that. Uh, what an amazing what an amazing day. And, and we've talked about it before on this podcast in more depth, uh, but I just thought it would be nice to mark that uh, with a little nod. Uh, and of course, who could forget that goal by Philippe Albert? We'll be back in just a second. Zinala. Now there could be a fifth in the offer. Lee, on a day when Newcastle would have taken one now. Here they are, looking for number five. Good Philippe Albert!
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Right then, chaps, before we finish off, in other news this week, typically the sorts of uh, unusual stories that we're getting now, uh, the, the club have walked back a statement that they made earlier in the week about supporters imitating traditional Arab dress at the match. Um, this has been a bit of a, a divisive subject, and I know some people on, on, on Twitter don't understand why this is a problem. Some people also, I know, uh, some fans are saying that this is uh, you know culturally inappropriate and that kind of thing. Uh, Bestie, the original statement asked fans to not wear this uh this garb uh unless they uh unless they already did and i think they pretty much had it right the first time didn't they i would agree with that yeah to be honest with you um it's one of the kind of the, the takeover as we all know is kind of um there's a lot of conflicting emotions a lot of um it's such a sensitive subject because I, i'm 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 delighted that mike is not in the cast anymore i'm um i'm very hopeful for the future but there is that little kind of that knowing at the back of the mind that these people um, that now run the football club kind of that they're not wonderful um, folk. This the whole thing of we've got our club back. I mean, I, I we haven't. I, I don't think the club's ever been kind of further away really in that regard. It's it's not it's it's not the club it was even when John Hall had it when Freddie Shepard, Lord Westwood. It it's moved. It's it's a modern football club. It's what. Probably what a competitive football club at the top of the Premier League has to be these days, unfortunately. Um, but it's mm. it, it, to me, it doesn't feel like we've got our club back in inverted commas at all. But um, that's kind of sidestepping the subject a little bit. Um, yeah, the the kind of the the, the wearing of the, the the headdresses in it, I've always found it a little bit. I don't know if distasteful is quite the right word. Um, hmm. it, but it it didn't it never sat very well with us to be honest with you. Um, there was a, a, a photo of a, a, a pretty well-known local shop had the the, the Saudi flag um, displayed quite prominently as well, and it, it just feels a, I'm a little bit uneasy with it, if I'm honest. Um, it's it's not a, Same, it's, yeah. it's not something I'm going to be um, an activity I'll be participating in. No. Th- th- anyone, no. George, did 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 the club need to 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 roll back on this? It it, it seemed like a fairly straightforward statement when it came out, and now they're. They've they've made changes to that and they've clarified and stuff like that. But it, it it didn't feel like it needed to be done to me. Yeah, it's 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 very unusual. I can't pretend to sort of say that I understand, but I do know that kind of on on Friday and Saturday they were saying that basically this has taken them sort of two days of their time, which really should have been, you know, used looking at other things. You know, you know, sort of like who the next manager might be, for example. Um, but I think I think sort of what happened was. Um, 
that that initial statement came out without it kind of being signed off elsewhere. Um, again, we're looking at PIF there, and that it, I mean, or, and although that they you know said that nobody had been caused any offence by it, that you know there was a suggestion that that initial statement perhaps had been sort of unnecessary. It's very difficult for me to sort of really understand that or, or talk about it much more. I mean, I, I will just go back though to the first day of the takeover when. Um, you know, Amanda Staverley did kind of reconfirm the club's commitment to to the to the, the Premier League initiatives and including anti-racism initiatives, which to me is obviously, you know, very 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 important. And they did that, but it, no, it just it just felt to me like at the back end of last week they were tying themselves up in knots for something that I just didn't really under, understand. I thought the first statement was was absolutely fine. Yeah, I completely agree, and I I think we're at a point as well where where. Us as Newcastle fans, and based on some of the, uh, the the responses to this that I've seen over the weekend on social media, we we have to be very careful here about being a bit too defensive about this kind of thing. And I understand there's a lot of people who think that this is just a laugh uh, and that it's just a bit of fun, but there are other people as well who who don't think that. And there's a lot of people who think this is inappropriate or or or, or it doesn't sit well with them. And and I am one of those people. Um, I, th- I think we have to be careful as Newcastle fans now not to be too defensive. We are going to get questioned more and more uh, and there are going to be issues that need to be faced up to and it is quite right that we are facing up to those issues. We just have to be very careful with with how we react and, and not try and take this too personally. Uh, right, chaps, I think that's just about it for another week. Bestie, thank you so much for coming on, mate, and giving us your time. I know you're a busy boy. Not at all, no. I've, I've had a wonderful time. Always nice to catch up with you, lads. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you, George, as well. Always good to hear your voice, sir. I would much prefer to have just shut up and let the two of you chat together, but um, um, because you're so good at it. But uh, but no, great to be great to be uh, great to be here. Fantastic. And thanks a lot to all of you out there in Podland as well for listening. Until next week, from all of us at Pod on the Time, it's goodbye. Thanks a lot. Athletic.